Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Maltopia Podcast. For our oldest and most loyal listeners out there, we wanted to let you know about our new Patreon page. Outside of our careers and time spent with family, 
The three of us here at Maltopia have been working every night and weekend for the past five years, building our company into what it is today. With your help, our goal is to make Maltopia our livelihood, allowing us to bring you higher quality content, exciting new podcast series and published works, and a large central community for you to take part in. As a thank you for your support, we're offering exclusive perks and bonus content, like early access to podcast episodes, behind-the-scene creator videos, and more. Go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia today and explore our membership levels. And be sure to scroll through for free public content, some of which gives you a sneak peek at what you can expect when you become a member. From Mark, Steve, and Walker, thanks again for enjoying our podcast, and we hope to meet you soon on Patreon. For whatever reason, perhaps the historical confluence of death and the great darkness, or even the thematic intimacy between the two forces, Eric clearly heard Hazel call out for him. He rose from the shadows like a dusky comet, reaching out to the awareness of his brother. The dead knot had just finished calling up from his body a wicked coating of additional bone armor, grinning at the god of war whose shadow burned red, blackening the earth upon which it fell. Enough of this. Hazel is in trouble. Get to her, Eric demanded. The dead Englishman could feel his brother's disappointment at the timing of the emergency, but nonetheless he would do what Eric asked of him, informing the Warbringer. Regrettably, this will have to wait for another time. There is trouble above. His eyes reflecting a modicum of concern, Mars seemed to snap out of his bloodlust at the words which seemed to have the additional effect of turning his shadow back to its original shade of black. The Warbringer seemed stunned by what had almost taken place, looking as if he might even apologize for his indiscretion. But the pale Goliath was looking past him, into the darkness of the prehistoric ruins, where another deathless monster watched in silence. As for you, Spectre, there will come another time for us. Be certain of it. Ignoring Mars, the dead knot dissolved into a cold mist and climbed into the shadows. One must take care when traveling into the deep earth, especially those hollows still home to even the smallest shadow of the great darkness. <sighs> What's your point, brother? They all knew what could happen coming here, Hazel included. You need to steal yourself against the shadow of loss, Eric. Weakness laid more men in the earth yesterday than foolishness has in a fortnight. How many times 
Must you learn this lesson? Why, I have all the strength I will ever need, and the only ally I will ever require. Isn't that right? Paraphrased the ghost. <laughs> True enough, my brother. True enough. Begrudging the mission no concern, the dead not swept aside the prehistoric limestone and intervening portions of the building as they rose between himself and the regressor, leaving nothing but thunder and dust in his wake. The final partition came apart like ash beneath his fist, but the act paled in comparison to the destruction, negation, taking place on the other side of the wall. The room was being devoured by an unseen force, or anti-force, as physics itself seemed to yield and break before the yawning vacancy. It was only through the lingering dimension of death that allowed the pale titan to glimpse the source of the nullifying fury. He was unsurprised by what he spied. After all, Lynn was as likely as any of them to host such oblivion. Eric's voice was small in the shrinking reality, the nothingness gnawing away at even the whispers of a ghost. Hazel's in there, brother, please. Go after her, Eric pleaded. The dead not waded into the churning void, the strength of the dead holding against the nothingness as it lashed him with deepest emptiness. Lynn seemed oblivious to her own actions, unrelenting in her assault upon the world. The dead not followed her gaze to where it fell upon a crumpled figure, a thing of trailing silks and topped by a rambling black hat. The creature was trying to crawl to where the movie projector still unraveled film, the darkness-infected show now playing against the very face of the void. Buried in the obliterating tides was seated the remaining passengers and a long-dead assemblage of moviegoers, their souls long gone, either from the fiasco at hand or due to the strange powers of the picture. Hazel and Keith stared in frozen horror at the yellowed sights dancing across the vanishing room, their faces pale, clothes soaked through with sweat. The dead knot reached down and plucked the hatted figure from where he squirmed. Are you what all this is for? The dead knot's words rang out despite the nullifying maelstrom. Tearing off the thing's hat, the pale Goliath examined the thing beneath. As it turned out, the creature's clothing, even the wide-brimmed hat, were not merely articles adorning its person, but rather they were part of what now appeared a creature made from woven sheaths of black silken skin. As the giant unfurled the living satins, the thing's various organs plopped down upon the dimming floor, revealed and set free with every unspun layer. Finally, there was nothing left of the being, save for a length of bloody, billowing skin, an oversized hat, and a pair of chitinous organs, objects that might, under a certain light, have passed for polished black shoes. Even with the hatter creature dead, Lynn seemed unable, or unwilling, to relent her attack upon solid reality, such as it was in so thoroughly haunted a place. The dead not seized the film projector, trying to crush it into submission, yet the film refused to be done in. This fact likely owing not to the film's construction from materials stronger than the monster, but that its essence was derived from a power beyond strength per se. It was a fragment of the darkness, and no blow regardless its source could so much as dent the longest night in history. The room was now a liquescent memory of placeness, its substance the stuff of ancient memories. 
he could see the outlines of his fellow Malsapiens beginning to flux into and out of focus. But there was a struggle as well. The forces pent within the two frozen passengers were not ready to be eradicated. The dead not reasoned that the regressor would be too great a meal for the devouring, contained of the entire past as she was. Yet he was unsure of the resilience of the conductor. Despite the more pressing matter of Keith's possible vulnerability, the giant had not been charged with his rescue, only Hazel's. For a moment, the dead not thought to strike Lynn into unconsciousness, hoping that would put an end to her conquering fury. But the closer he came, the more he began to feel the pull of her bottomless hunger. Lifting Hazel from her seat, the dead not made his way to where he approximated an exit within the swirling nihility. But as he turned, he could see Keith's face racked with horror, eyes like a dam on the brink of breaking. The deathful passenger assumed what was coming next. Turning his back to Keith, and arching shoulders as strong and wide as any armored barricade, the dead not used his body to shield the regressor, whose horror seemed unrelieved for having been removed from the sight of the monstrous movie. Then the world became a single deafening scream. The hulking passenger felt as if a nuclear bomb had burst across his back. There was little semblance of firmness left to the room, let alone anything to provide him leverage against the sonic bomb loosed into the comparatively small room. The dead knot was sent crashing through the building, still clutching the limp form of the regressor, still trying to shield her from harm. Unfurling himself from Hazel, he rose from the smoking crater he'd made of the stone wall into which they'd been blasted. The scream was rising in intensity, and yet seemed somehow contained to the innards of the building, an implausible radius given the strength of Keith's caterwall. He looked down at Hazel, feeling the eyes of his brother peering through his own. If Eric spoke, he couldn't tell, as the deafening scream penetrated into the very lands of the dead. Then Mars was standing before him, taking Hazel from his arms. The warrior's booming voice was audible, if only barely. I'll get her out of here, but you gotta get in there and save them. Come on, man, get going. The dead nod gave out a groan no one heard, forced yet again to risk the storm on someone else's account. Now it was for the love-struck Warbringer. The giant was surprised Mars had called for the saving of both passengers, rather than just Lynn. Regardless, he was off again, leaping from the recently created cave and plowing back through the building. The force of the scream was incredible, but his strength was beyond the world. And so, almost unbelievably, he pressed through it. As the dead knot grew closer to the nexus of the blaring sound, the building became doubtful, just a miasma of time, space, and matter, all of it framed in an awful, blinding shriek. And then there was Lynn and Keith, both of them barely visible and barely cognizant, it seemed. It also became immediately apparent as to why the scream had not exploded farther into the building, if not blowing it apart entirely. It was battling the void for dominance. The two forces were squaring off, the void trying to swallow the scream into oblivion, and the scream threatening to choke it as it tried. The dead knot could advance no farther as the room was gone. Nothing but a screeching emptiness remained all except for the two passengers responsible for the fact. 
Keith was standing within his own sonic effulgence, rod rigid, head upturned, howling at heaven. Lynn was stooping forward, eyes glazed over, peering mindlessly into the desolation she'd fashioned. For a moment, it seemed the contest might endure indefinitely, with no visible indication that one force might overtake the other. When the movie projector commenced the signature flapping sound of a film reaching its conclusion, the room suddenly reappeared, and both conductor and sense-stealer collapsed to the floor. Keith lay silent and unconscious, while Lynn stretched out with eyes wide open, as if comatose. Once outside Merger's ditch, Mars and the Dead Knot gently placed their fallen fellows upon a slightly raised bed of grass. I should never have left them alone. Jesus, I'm a fucking idiot. More than likely. But what's done is done. The Warbringer shot the Dead Knot an awful scowl. And why the fuck did you wander off, huh? You were supposed to be with us. Shit might not have gone sideways if you hadn't ghosted us. So, like a good little sheepdog, you rushed right away to gather up your wayward ward. Yes? Spare me your miserable excuses, Mars. We both know what you went down there looking for, don't we? Mars appeared as if he might fire back before folding his arms and gazing into the sky, as if searching for guidance. After we bring them to the vehicle... I will return Eric from the dead. Perhaps the two of you might pen a ballad to commemorate your fallen loves, bonding over your mutual weaknesses of the heart. The remark was deliberately provocative, but it was not aimed at Mars, who only grimaced and shook his head. Eric had fallen silent the moment Hazel had been recovered from the banquet hall turned cosmic battlefield. After the two passengers had placed their fallen comrades into the back of the van, the dead knot made for the woods to change. He'd all but vanished beyond the brambles when Mars called out to him. Look, I didn't mean to take a poke at you, right? Just sort of lost my head down there, you know? You're lucky to have recovered that head of yours, Warbringer. Should you have persisted, who can say where it would have ended up? With that... The lumbering passenger disappeared into the woods to shed his inhumanity. The garden city of Ratha exercised a terrible grip upon its secreted wonders. Each rarefied glory the product of a singular machine, and its every miracle designed for the progression of a withering agenda. One such wonder was the Progenon, the place for realizing infinite potential and birthplace of the Melengian's greatest earthly children, the Hanuma. It was but a single monolith within a countless iteration of such devices, but it was likely the last of its kind. The first Progenon's design was finalized when the stars were but youthful lamps, barely alleviating an infinite darkness, its purpose remaining the same since its inception. Castilian, the greatest of the Hanuma, stood beneath the shadow of the mighty monument, staring out at his assembled legions. His pride still smarting, the great underlord knew only the death of the fallen king would ease his pain, if not extinguish it altogether. 
he would watch every bit of the monarch's smoking remains pass into the clutches of the final process. The shadows that served as the city's sky grew dark, the agenda of the gathered monsters reflected in the surrounding environment. Parting the unusual gloom were the war machines of the perfected race, psychic constructs formed from a particular quality and class of mentalism. There were even psycho-incarnate monstrosities, living creatures born entirely from the race's collective mental power, each one created with a specific set of attributes, and every attribute a killing thing. And then there were the lines of the lid-eyed Hanyuma themselves, titans dressed in Aetherian armor, colossal fortifications born from metals cohered and enhanced through purest will. Castilian strolled through the ranks of his army, inspecting the forces that would soon crush the lost kingdom, his mind conjuring images of the coming devastation. He imagined how the last king's neck might feel in his hands, or in the merciless grip of his mind, when a familiar telepathic summons brought him out of his reverie. Dismissing the gathered legions to their other duties, the fearsome underlord withdrew to the shadow-strung hollows at the edge of the city. Focusing his attention inward, the world faded to black as the Hanyuma conjured an image of a modest, windowless, wooden room into his mind, where he sat in a large, high-backed chair. Once settled into his psychic construct, he affected a human appearance and materialized a door opposite himself and allowed it to swing open. A tall man stepped inside. He was possessed with unassuming features, all save his eyes, which were like coal, hard and black, ready to catch fire. I, uh, see you've put on your disguise again. Why even bother? Especially for me. You should know better by now, said the man in a very calm, even tone. Castilian was on his guard. He had to be. This was perhaps the craftiest of all the machine's children, the Mindwalker. Let's just assume it's a necessary deception, shall we? Now, what have you to tell me? A number of things, actually. But before we uh, get on with that, let me ask you a question, might I? If you must... Why are you killing off all the over-sapiens? I mean the real reason, not the bullshit you feed the rest of the rubes. Castilian warned Spider Black that the creature was too shrewd to be properly managed. You were told not to pry, Malsapien. Our business is our own, and you were warned the consequences of meddling. Merely keep watch over your kind. Not pry into matters that do not concern you. On another and deeper stratum of mind, the two were pacing around one another, seeking out weakness wherever it could be found. Well, uh, <laughs> that's just it, isn't it? Something tells me, uh, it does concern me. And I don't like being played for a fool. While Castilian was a psychic tank in almost all respects... The Malsapien was akin to a magician, the mind his personal stage for the conjuring of miracles. The Hanyuma could feel him slithering about, an eel prowling the psychic ether. I'm curious to know what makes you think so. 
Castilian knew the Mindwalker's suspicions were likely born of a forbidden fruit he'd tasted somewhere along the way. Having asked the question, he'd hoped the answer might emerge into the man's mind long enough for him to seize it. Leaping at the Malsapiens' thoughts where they seemed to coil about something, concealing it, Castilian thought the matter about to be settled. But no more had he believed the secret within his psychic grip. It slipped away like shadows under the moon, a trick of light played by a master illusionist. The Malsapien grinned at the Hanuma, no doubt acknowledging the failed effort. It was, uh, nothing but a hunch, I guess. But anyway, you're, uh, you're right. Best we get on with the business at hand. Castilian nodded at the sentiment, but wondered at the man's sudden change in course. Well, uh, anyway, the passengers are back, and they're, uh, they're not all upright, if you get my meaning. Since I'm not going near that uh, awful sense-stealer's head, I can't tell you what's bothering her. The conductor's definitely in a bad way, and from what I can tell, for as long as I could stand that awful racket in his head, he should be back up pretty soon. The regressor seems to be having all kinds of problems, though. After you had me wipe her memory back in the airplane hangar, there's been all kinds of things kicking around inside her skull. But since she's been back, I'm seeing some major cracks, which I assume was the plan all along, right? You can assume anything you like. Is that all? The man was playing the same game as the Underlord, asking questions only to seize the answers from where they surfaced from hidden psychic places. The Hanyama shielded his mind behind a thousand locked doors, but he suspected the Mindwalker might have as many keys, at least. Yeah, I suppose it is. Castilian detected it again. Whatever the man was hiding, it was only barely submerged. The Melsapien was almost holding it out, waiting for Castilian to charge. But rather than have it snatched away at the last moment, he decided he would rather be ignorant of the thing than made a fool of, and so let the secret dangle. Then we are done. The man vanished from the Hanyama's mind, smiling like a fox with the keys to the hen house. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of the Maltopia podcast. To help us grow and spread the word, we'd love nothing more than for you to like, comment, rate, and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. You can also connect with us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and tweet us on Twitter for the latest original artwork and important updates. And for even more about our ever-growing literary world, head to Maltopia.com to read our dark fiction and gain access to giveaways and discounts with our newsletter. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 